0: Welcome back to episode number 183 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is the podcast we're building a global community around process safety, industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're doing another safety share. This one, we're talking about controlling the hazard is not removing the hazard. So safety shares are these shorter episodes that we've been running through 2022, covering different topics that come in from the help desk, or topics on recent events that people send through, that we find might be interesting for the audience to, to understand about and and using their work as well. So this particular topic came through from some emails I received the other day. I had the first email come in from a Canadian contact, and then a little bit later, someone from the UK sent an, another article through of interest from a bustle dust, and they both kind of talked about this, this topic of controlling the hazards, not removing the hazard. So the Canadian article came in was on a appeal for occupancy classification for a flour mill in British Columbia. And the individual that sent it through made the comment that he he constantly sees people saying that they put mitigation measures in place for combustible dust. So they don't think that's a high hazard industrial occupancy. Uh, we'll talk about it, I'll talk about some of the details in there in this episode. And the second one that came through was an incident that a, an individual sent in from the UK where there's an explosion in a it was like a hair products manufacturer or something like that where they were had a mixing tank and they had a vapor explosion where they did have vapor extraction in place, but it wasn't sufficient to control the hazard that happened. So we're going to kind of try to tie these all into this, this category of controlling the hazard, not removing the hazard. So we'll talk about why is this important. We'll, we'll go through the example number one, this occupancy classification question. Example number two, this vapor flash fire at a, a chemical company and try to highlight these issues that come up. So why is this important? Well, putting controls in place is kind of like the basis of what we do (laughs) with all the work that we're doing as engineers in a lot of cases. The whole point of a dust hazard analysis is really to determine, one, what hazards exist, what are the existing safeguards and controls in place, are they in compliance with the NFPA standards or whatever standards that you're testing against, and are they sufficient to ensure the safety of employees involved in the operation operational continuity, minimize loss of products and other operational goals to the facility. That's really the whole point. So there is this concept of inherently safer design, which really should be considered at the start of a process, the start of a hazard analysis, and even the start of looking at your hazards, where you want to look at minimizing, or removing, substituting the hazards, moderating the hazards, or simplifying the hazards. But most of the time, we're talking about other elements of the hierarchy of controls. So we're talking about engineering design controls, we're talking about administrative controls, um, and the like. And in these cases, I want to make this point that putting the control in place is not removing the hazard. And I always use the example of a saw. If you have a, you know, a saw blade that's spinning there, a bandsaw or a circular saw or whatever it is that's spinning and you put an engineered guard in front of it, a, a you know, a plastic, plastic guard over the blade so that the person can stick their hand in. We well, didn't remove the hazard, you just put a control in place. And the individual that's working with that, area should really be aware of the fact that the spinning blade is still behind the guard and even more aware of the times when the guard may fail. If the guard was removed, you should probably tell them. There's all these things that come up because the hazard still exists there where the control might fail. And if you go with that perception that the hazard has been removed because we put the control in place, then you're much more susceptible when the control does fail, either under normal conditions where you've removed it or abnormal conditions where it is removed inadvertently due to the processing operation. So let's talk about how these two examples tie into this then. So the first one is occupancy classification of a flour mill in British Columbia. This was an article again that was sent through from a contact in Canada, owed in in the West Coast in British Columbia. Uh, This was a appeal in February 2020 through the British Columbia Appeals Board. And this was uh, appealed, it was a request to be reclassified from a flour mill. From a high hazard industrial occupancy to a medium hazard industrial occupancy. So, in this case, this was a two story building containing multiple suites and businesses. And one of those suites housed a flour mill. This was a 10 by 10, approximately 10 by 10 meter sort of room. So, you know, of of that size with a production capacity of 1.5 tons of finished flour from two tons of grain per hour. Plant operations nine hours a day. So, not a large, we'll say, processing operation, but producing a lot of flour on on an hourly basis. Certainly enough that there could be combustible dust hazards and would be combustible dust hazards associated with that type of operation. So the mill did have dust collection equipment. It was designed to contain the dust within the equipment and they managed any primary explosion issues through explosion venting that was ducted to the exterior of the building. So we're not going to comment so much in this episode on whether or not that's sufficient in terms of NFPA or local jurisdiction standards. I'm just mentioning that to say that's what was in place at this facility. So let's talk about the definitions of high hazard versus medium hazard industrial occupancy within BC. So high hazard industrial occupancy means that is an industrial occupancy containing sufficient quantities of highly combustible or flammable or explosive materials, which because of their inherent characteristics constitute what's known as a special fire hazard. A medium hazard Industrial occupancy means a industrial occupancy in which combustible content is more than fifty grams per meter cubed or twelve hundred mill joules per meter square floor area. And it's not classified as high hazard industrial occupancy. So that's getting at the you know fire possibility in that facility and and how much combustibles are actually stored. So this particular flour mill was deemed to be high hazard. It had sufficient quantities of highly combustible inflammable, flammable explosive flower dust because of its inherent characteristics constitute a special fire hazard. So the argument that was made by the company was that they had the equipment in place to manage um, and control dust buildup. They had the equipment in place to manage, you know, explosion protection in that operation and that they should not be considered a, a special fire hazard because of the features that they had that are eliminating the risk of firing explosions. And the point point, the reason that the individual sent through to me was the decision was made by the BC Appeals Board, British Columbia Appeals Board, that this was indeed a higher hazard occupancy. It was consistent with the definition of higher hazard occupancy and did not provide sufficient information to demonstrate that the mill did not constitute a special fire hazard. So about the building codes, I don't have, in BC, I don't have a, a ton of information about that. But from sort of the, the litmus test, the common sense test, this makes sense. It's the same as the saw blade and the engineering control. You didn't remove the saw, you still have a hazard there. You just have these controls in place, which is kind of good to see the decision come down. And we did have this comment from the person that sent it through. They see this quite a bit. Well, people are making this argument that the hazard's not there because they have these controls in place. And it really takes a, a switch of the mind to say, no, we have controls in place because the hazard is there. So that's point one in this control and the hazard is not removing the hazard. Example number two is this vapor flash fire in a chemical pumping mixing tank. Again, i believe this was something like a you know hair products or something along those lines and we'll have we have links to the bc appeals board document in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com/183 we'll also have a link to this incident that i'll talk about here in a second and at dustsafetyscience.com/183 as well if you if you're interested in either of those you can get more information from the the original links there this incident was investigated by the health and safety executive in the uk the company was fined four hundred eighty thousand pounds after one of its workers sustained what they they termed superficial burns at the factory. Um, these were burns to his upper torso, causing thirteen percent burns to his right arm and hand. And they were deemed superficial. I don't know what superficial means. It sounds like it probably hurt a lot, but you know maybe he wasn't permanently impacted and he was able to come back to work. The processing operation: the worker was adding powders to a ten thousand liter stainless steel mixing tank. The process involved pumping ethanol directly into the tank via pipework from an external storage tank. The other materials, including the the powders, were added, and then heat was applied and and to mix the material and heat the material using a steam coil fit inside the vessel. So the company did have an extraction system at the lid's lip to remove vapors, but it was not an out of control measure to prevent the the buildup of the flammable atmosphere. And in the article, they talk about the gas explosion. They don't really mention the, the powder being added at all. So in this case, we'll just assume it was a vapor cloud explosion. But what the, the theory is in that article, at least, that the, the vapor did build up over the headspace of that tank. It ignited, um, and that's what um, caused the injury to the workers. The initial penalty was 720,000 pounds was reduced when the company pleaded guilty to breaching regulations with the... The DSEAR, the Dangerous Substance and Explosive Atmosphere Regulations in the UK. So, when this individual in the UK sent this article through, um, almost directly after this this uh, you know contact in the in Canada sent this article through. It really got me thinking about this topic again of controlling the hazard, not removing the hazard. So, in the case of the the vapor explosion or the vapor flash fire, rather, we still had the hazard. A control was put in place, and it would be incorrect to say that that hazard no longer existed had a control measure in place that that was meant to control that hazard, we see what happens from this incident when the control measure is insufficient to actually control the hazard. You know, a flash fire happened, an individual was injured. So where are some other places where this commonly comes up? I gave the the saw blade example, the engineering guard example as well. You know, fall from height risks are the same sort of things. You're not removing the hazard just by putting engineering controls in place or even administrative controls in place. The hazard's still there. Um, Inerting systems. We've seen this back in episode 71 of the podcast where we did a case study on metal dust explosions in a 3D printing application. And in this case, and what happens with a lot of inerting cases is you hear this terminology that the hazard no longer exists. And again, inerting is just an engineering control measure. There's lots of ways it can be foiled. There's lots of ways it can be installed and done incorrectly. And there's lots of ways under normal and abnormal conditions that it can be upset, and then you have that hazard. And if you go into thinking that you've removed the hazard... And not even training employees that the hazard exists, then they're much more likely to have ignition sources present around it. To be much less cautious when the the one control measure I have in place, the nerding, goes down or it's not working. You know, they might open up equipment to do cleaning. And in this case, that's what happened in the 3D printing application, episode seventy-one of the podcast. They were opening for cleaning and an ignited explosion that happened there. Or at least I believe that's what my understanding was from that that incident. If I recall correctly, the final root cause and the, the final process happened was not discussed or released publicly for that incident. Uh, but in the episode, I kind of walked through what they did release publicly. And we talked about that there. And this kind of brings into to my, my sort of final point for this episode and why I really keep saying, you know, controlling the hazard is not removing the hazard. There's a real tendency, if you have controls in place to think that the hazard has been removed. nerding is a great example, the saw blade with a guard, the the You know, dust collection is a good example. um, Vapor extraction. And it's just the wrong way to look at it. When you start to put controls in place, you actually need to have an increased sense of vulnerability about these type of hazards. Instead of saying, you know, this hazard doesn't exist, we need to say, well, we have this control in place to protect from this hazard. You need to have more thinking about training your employees why that hazard exists and why that, or better yet, why that control exists and what kind of hazards in place. And that way, if they do have an upset condition or a normal condition where they're even opening up the equipment and inerting systems, they have the awareness and knowledge and understanding to make smart decisions with how to actually go about doing that work. If you say the hazard doesn't exist because we put that control measure in place, you're much less likely to train your employees. they are much less likely to approach it with a sense of vulnerability. You're much less likely to maintain those controls over time. It's really just sort of a you know a ticking time clock until something's going to happen once that control gets lowered down. That's it for this episode. We talked through two examples of controlling the hazard is not the same as removing the hazard. Talk about why this is important. We are a control heavy group, us engineers, us folks working in combustible dust. I wish we would look at more inherently safer design aspects of combustible dust, get those sort of examples out into the community that we could use. But at the end of the day, you know, nine times out of 10, if we're looking at preventing explosion, we're talking a lot about control measures. In all those cases, that hazard has not been eliminated. It still exists, and it's even more important to train people up on that. It's there to understand when those trolls go down, what kind of you know outcomes can happen from that. So that's it for this episode. Again, we'll include the links to the two articles that I mentioned, this occupancy classification of a flour mill in British Columbia, and this um, fine after a vapor vapor explosion or flash fire at a, in a mixing tank in the UK as well. We'll include the the articles for those at dustsafetydesigns.com slash 183. If you have any comments, any questions, you can reach out to me at Chris at Uh We'll either answer them directly, we'll put them through our help desk, or we'll connect you through with Dust Safety Professionals, somebody that can help you, regardless of where you are in the world. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you have a safe and productive week ahead, and I appreciate everything you're doing in the industry's handling of muscle dust, making them safer with the work that you do every day.